1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's now time to enter the sports zone with your host, Bob Kemp. DeAndre Hopkins has been all over the place, from one spot, two spot, wherever you need him to be. To the end zone, A.J. Green makes the catch, spectacular, for a Cardinals touchdown over David Long in the corner of the end zone. With two minutes left in a four-point game, Kirk Cousins back to throw on fourth and 18. He's given time. He wants Jefferson, climbs the ladder. Oh, my goodness. Justin Jefferson pulled it in. The catch of his life. McCaffrey right up the gun and in. Touchdown, San Francisco. Certainly not going to write off the bottom seven in this lineup, but if you can somehow survive Betts and Freeman, that's going to be a pretty big box to check. And there's a reason why. Freddie sends one out of there to right field as 24th in L.A. strikes first. Dodger Stadium comes back to life. Altman down the line. And this one's gone. Two Dodger homers in the first. Two more in the sixth. They go back to back. And for the first time in his major league career, Zach Gallen has surrendered four home runs in a game. Prescott. Touchdown. 1-1. And Altuve rips it deep to left field. And that is over the monster. A two-run home run and a cycle for Jose Altuve. Astros lead is 13-4. Ninth cycle in franchise history. It's Jose Altuve who circles the bases. First time since July 19, 2013. And Altuve makes history. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports own guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUSAM1060. And welcome to the August 29th edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLX HD 2100.7, the Cardinals should they have cut Colt McCoy. Fantasy football, who should be the first pick, Justin Jefferson or Christian McCaffrey. The Diamondbacks, what stood out during Zach Gallon's bad night. Jerry Jones, should he have told. Mike McCarthy and or Dak Prescott about the Trey Lance trade. Meanwhile, Jose Altuve, is he a Hall of Famer? And what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's schedule lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments, we have the introduction of today's pipeline. 9-15, the first of our weekly fantasy football segments in 2023. Today, a draft day uh, preview and uh, some tips uh, from, uh, of course, Jonathan Mc, uh, John McKechnie uh, from rotowire.com. John is back with us for another season. 9-30, interactive action at 602-260-1060 and also the local roundup. That will include more on the Kyler Murray staying on the pup list and Colt McCoy being cut day 
for the Cardinals. And also we'll have uh, some Diamondbacks and Dodgers analysis for Monday night. Even though not a lot required as far as analysis, I know it was 7-4, to four, but it was pretty self-explanatory what was going on there. And then the final segment of the show will be the National Roundup top by the MLB scoreboard from Monday. On to the pipeline we go. Time for today's Pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And we start with a KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. Today's question is, should the Cardinals have cut Colt McCoy? And Corey is here and has the early returns. Okay, 100% showing yes right now on KDUS1060.com. Okay, well, the Cardinals moved on from McCoy, which means that the recently acquired Joshua Dobbs or rookie Clayton Toon will be the week one starter at Washington. Also on Monday, the Cardinals did not remove Kyler Murray from the pup list. That means he will miss at least the first four games of the regular season. And on Monday, actually let's go through Monday, let's call it, the Cardinals the only team in the NFL not to name a week one starting quarterback. Today's Twitter poll question. Uh, who would be the better overall number one selection in fantasy football drafts, Justin Jefferson or Christian McCaffrey? And, Corey, what's going on here? Jefferson leading right now, 69.2% of the vote there. Christian McCaffrey at 30.8% of the vote on KDUSAM 1060 on Twitter. Do you opt for the best projected wide receiver or do you opt for the best projected running back? That seems to be the bottom line question. More on, uh, more on that, of course, in the next segment with John. Meanwhile, on the local front, Zach Gallen was a home run derby pitcher at Dodger Stadium. Gallen allowed a career-high four homers and surrendered six runs in five and a third innings in the uh, Diamondbacks' 7-4 loss last night. So what stood out last night in the Dodgers, uh, the Diamondbacks' loss, excuse me, at Dodger Stadium, other than Gallen giving up the four home runs, maybe why did he allow the four home runs? Spanning the globe, the Cowboys trade for Trey Lance surprised many, including Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott, who did not get a heads up before the trade from Jerry Jones, that according to Jerry Jones. So should Jerry Jones have told head coach Mike McCarthy or starting quarterback Dak uh, Dak Prescott before trading Trey Lance? Trading for Trey Lance would be the correct correct, uh, sentence there. So let's use that, trading for Trey Lance. Meanwhile, Jose Altuve had a historic historic night last night. Altuve hit for the cycle for the first time in his career as the Astros went 13-4 at Boston. Is Jose Altuve a Hall of Famer? You know, he had some problems, or, you know, with alleged problems back in the day, even though some believe that he wasn't part of the sign-stealing scam that was going on back in the day. But some don't think he's a Hall of Famer because of that. Really? Also, in addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? All right, that's the pipeline for today. We'll get to all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. Anything else on your mind falls into the general discussion categories, whether it is from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060, or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. 
Coming up next, Corey, we'll have a news update. That'll be followed by the return of our weekly fantasy football segment with John McKechnie from rotowire.com. Who do you take with that first pick of the uh, fantasy draft if you're lucky enough to get the first pick? Then again, if you are lucky enough to get the first pick, that might mean that you finished last in your league last year, depending on how your draft procedure works. So we'll cover that and much more with John in the next segment. Once again, at the bottom of the hour, to be phone call time. General discussion, 602-260-1060. Also, the local roundup, that'll be topped by the Cardinals quarterback shuffle from yesterday and also some Dodgers in Diamondbacks analysis from Monday night. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUSAM 1060 and KSLUX HD2 100.7. Interact with Bob Kemp's poll question on KDUS1060.com. That's KDUS1060.com. And while you're there, check out Bob Kent's bottom line at KDUS1060.com. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD2 100.7. Your home, the Dan Patrick Show, live Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 a.m., the majority of uh, fantasy football drafts are over the next seven days. And uh, who should be the first overall pick and more? Out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joining the Sports Zone for the uh, first of our weekly discussions for the 2023 season of fantasy football with John McKechnie of rotowire.com. How are you doing, sir? How we, How's it going? Hey, doing great. Great to be back on with you guys. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a signal that football season is here when I get to get to join you all. So very excited about that, and you know things are good, no complaints. Uh, you know, got a little week zero college football action in last weekend. We got the first big slate this weekend, so pumped for that. And then, oh boy, the the main event starts next Thursday. I can't wait. There we go. Okay, well let's just get right to the drama here. If you have the first pack, uh, first pick, excuse me, of a standard fantasy draft, who are you picking first? And am I correct? It's between Justin Jefferson and Christian McCaffrey. Um, so I, I've seen it uh, be argued for uh, McCaffrey and Jamar Chase as, as the other options beyond Justin Jefferson, but really it's Justin Jefferson and Justin Jefferson alone. He, he, I know it, it's, it can be a queasy feeling when, uh, when you have uh, a consensus number one overall pick like this. We've seen those guys not perform super well. Jonathan Taylor, I feel like, was a consensus number one pick last year. Um, but Jefferson... Um, you know, he's in the right part of his prime, uh, the right offense. I know they added a first-round receiver, but he's he's only going to help matters, I think, for Jefferson, maybe create some space a little bit. So Jefferson, the sheer amount of targets, the amount of times that he's going to catch those targets for big gains and touchdowns, it's too much to pass up at one. Generally speaking, how would you describe the 2023 fantasy draft pool of players, including are there some top-heavy positions, and has that changed from recent seasons? Um, so that, that, that is a great question. So uh, the way that it, that it kind of breaks down is that there's really only three um, legitimate first-round running back options, um, You know, whether it's uh, Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, B. John Robinson. I, I put Nick Chubb in that discussion, frankly. So it's not as running back heavy at the top as it once was. And I feel like 
if you wanted to go receiver heavy early, which is becoming a, a more and more uh, popular way of, of building out your roster, um, you can do that with the first two picks in, in your draft. Go ahead, take receiver one, uh, with your first and second picks. Wait till the third round to, to get a running back because I think that there are still some good options available on the board once you get to the third round. But you can wait even longer. I think that there's there's a tier of guys. I, I would say starting with Alexander Madison um, in the fifth round. You have Miles Sanders, J.K. Dobbins, those guys, and Damian Pierce. Also, those guys are all values to where um, I, I think that they are potential top ten running backs uh, for fantasy this year, and yet they're they're being drafted in the fifth, sixth round. So. Uh, with that in mind, I feel like you can really bolster your, your receiving core. If you like Travis Kelsey as a first-round pick, then I, I endorse it. I think that that changes my draft calculus a little bit too much to do that regularly myself because you feel pressured to take Patrick Mahomes with your second pick, and then um, you have quarterback and tight ends uh, so, sewn up, but the rest of the of the time you're going to be kind of playing catch-up. Um, and then uh, just kind of general tight end commentary otherwise, I feel like Kelsey is that that clear number one, uh, even still. Uh, Mark Andrews, the, the clear number two, in my opinion. And I think that there's a, kind of a tier that almost represents like a trap, like whether it's TJ Hawkinson or George Kittle, um, guys like that, that that go in the fourth, fifth round. I think that those guys are, are both at risk of, of having down years that, that um, prevent them from returning that, that uh, draft day investment. So I tend to, if I don't get Andrews or Kelsey, I wait until, um, you know, like the Darren Waller, uh, David Njoku, uh, Pat Fryermuth, and, and uh, Chig Okonkwo uh, type of tier once you get to like the ninth to uh, 12th round. You mentioned Kelsey. Um, if you were going to take him in the first round, how soon would you take him? So uh, I find that, that the sweet spot for Kelsey is either the fifth or sixth pick. Um, in in your draft, um, really, it, it it seems to always come down to a toss up between him or Cooper Cup, and, and um, you know I, I definitely understand uh, the the reasons for taking Cup, but um, he's not exactly a, a spring chicken anymore, and and we know that the, the Rams are kind of in tatters right now that they push all their chips to the middle of the table for that 2021 uh, season Super Bowl, and you know what's left is not a particularly good roster, but I, I think that that could help obviously uh, drive Cup's uh, target share because they're going to have to throw it a lot more. But even still, um, Travis Kelsey gives you such a positional uh, advantage uh, with him being a tight end and, and getting uh, a workhorse wide receivers uh, type of target volume. So I think Kelsey, right at that five or six uh, range in your first round, I think is, is where to take him. I wouldn't go earlier than that. And if he falls, do a little bit, you know, if you're picking ninth and he's still there somehow, uh, I definitely endorse taking him then. The running back pool, it, it seems to be more shallow, as you mentioned, in the recent seasons. Is this just a reflection how, like, the current uh, viewpoint of real-life NFL owners uh, not wanting top-shelf running backs, is that spilling into the fantasy world now? It, it seems to, and it's hard to, to separate what, what exactly um, and, and analyze what, what exactly is driving that. But I think that bottom line, um, work, true workhorse running backs are so much more few and far between uh, now that, than it used to be 5, 10, you know, 15 years ago where every team would have their guy that they would push for 
250, 300 carries. There, there used to be a fantasy discussion about running backs coming off of 300 carry seasons and do you face yeah. them coming <laughs> off of that. Now we don't have to have that conversation anymore because no one does it, right? Like uh, other than um, Josh Jacobs last year and, and Derrick Henry um, when, when he's staying upright, really there, there, there's not many running backs that, that take on that level of volume anymore. So with the injury risk that, that comes, with running backs relative to wide receivers, it definitely makes sense to, to be a little bit more um, attuned to taking the, the top wide receivers and just hoping that, you know, by, you know, just sheer attrition that, that some of like the, the number two running backs that, that you're drafting a little bit later on uh, in your draft end up taking on starters roles. But I think that there's an art to that. You've got to be able to take guys that, that can scale up into the starters workload and, and some some guys that are getting drafted as like the number two running back don't really fit that bill in my opinion so you got to be careful there okay the colts they might trade jonathan taylor today and what do you do if trailer if excuse me taylor stays in indianapolis and how could that change if he's traded um so i i think that you know taylor's adp has understandably dropped amid this uncertainty um, over the last few weeks, uh, fueled with the acrimony between him and, and Jim Ursay. Um, when it comes to Taylor, I think late third round is, is about a fair price for, for him. Uh, if he ends up staying in Indianapolis, you, you worry that he's going to be a little bit, um, I, I don't want to say going to be a malcontent or, or not really show up or, or work hard, but you know, I think that there's just some bad vibes coming out of uh, the, the Indianapolis locker room with, with, with him. Uh, you know, kind of dividing things. So it's a little bit tricky, but I still think late third is is a re- right price for him. If he ends up in, like, Chicago or Miami, um, then I think we start uh, re- reinserting him into that uh, mid to late second round discussion. Talking fantasy football with John McKechnie of rotowire.com. Uh, let's go to Nick Chubb. You mentioned him. We both like him. We've talked about him for, you know, two, three seasons on this show now. Uh, yeah, Cream Hunt's gone from Cleveland. So does Chubb maybe catch more passes this season? And how soon would you draft Chubb? Um, I, I absolutely do think that that the the value is going up uh, pretty significantly for Nick Chubb to the point where um, I think that there's a pretty um, decent chance that he ultimately ends up a, as the running back one um, for this season. And, and I, I think that the pass catching stuff has always been a little bit overstated for for him as far as like oh well he you know he's not Kareem Hunt so therefore he must be bad at, at pass catching no he for his career he has a good reception percentage his yards per target for a running back are solid he can make big plays out in space I, I don't think that we're going to see him scale up to being like a seventy catch type of guy but I think fifty catches on top of about three hundred carries is, is what we're looking at in terms of the volume. Uh, for Nick Chubb, and, and we know that there's going to be explosive per-touch numbers along with it. So um, I'm comfortable taking Chubb as high as the, the eighth pick um, in, in fantasy drafts, especially standard scoring. But, um, you know, PPR, you don't, you don't really have to be afraid of, of Nick Chubb holding up his end of the bargain when it comes to pass catching anymore. You know, what other running backs do you think uh, you know, have you landed most on your fantasy team so far that you've already drafted? Um, so – that's, that's another great question. I have a lot of J.K. Dobbins. It's been kind of an interesting dance uh, drafting him over, over the course of this offseason because uh, during the, the earlier parts of, of training camp, you, you're worried about 
uh, him potentially being one of those running back holdouts, but um, things have settled back down. It seems like he's going to be ready to rock uh, week one. So I, I do have a lot of him. I, I still believe in Travis Etienne as a fourth-round um, type of target. I, I think that his upside and his talent is, is a little bit understated even still, and I think that people have gotten a little bit too crazy about Tank Bigsby, um, who I think is fine but, but nothing special. Um, so I think that ETN in, in time is going to show that, that he is the guy in Jacksonville, and I think that offense really takes another step forward uh, this year. I love Damian Pierce, where he's going. I think that he, he's one of those guys that, that you know, may, maybe the team context isn't great, but he is going to get as much work as he can physically handle this year. So And volume is being in fantasy, so I, I really like that element uh, to, to his game. I think David Montgomery is interesting. Um, because I think that Jameer Gibbs is not so interesting for fantasy, especially if you're in a not PPR league. Um, I think Gibbs, all of his production is going to come through, you know, short catches. And I, I think when, when you get to money situations like uh, down at the goal line, Dave Montgomery is going to be the one getting a lot of those looks. And I, I think rookie Zach Charbonnet on a talent basis is right there with Kenneth Walker. Walker's had some injury hit, uh, uh, history already in his NFL career. Um, Zach Charbonnet, I think that, you know, we're, we're already looking at him being a strong RB, RB2 in this offense, but I, I think there's a, a decent chance that, that he kind of overtakes and is that Seattle uh, starting running back uh, by the end of this season. So Charbonnet, and, and, as a ninth-round guy, I'm a big fan of his as well. Okay, wide receivers. You know, Cooper Cup ended last season with an injury suffered against the Cardinals. Uh, and uh, he's already been uh, sidelined some in this preseason slash training camp period. Where does he stack up right about now? So he he goes in the middle of the first round still. So his ADP hasn't changed too much. When the initial injury happened um, in, in training camp, uh, he dropped to being around the, like the 10th pick you would see him go a lot of the time. But things have stabilized a, a decent bit. And now he's going anywhere between five and seven in most drafts. I, I think that there there is understandable risk there when, when it comes to Cup, but I think that the role, the talent, um, the, the connection with, with Stafford is good enough to where it, it's a it's more of a gamble than you'd like to take with your first round pick at this stage because that that health um, detail. But I, I mean, if if Cup plays even fifteen games this year, I have a hard time thinking that he doesn't return first round value. All right, so you know, same as the running backs. What wide receivers have you been uh, drafting with frequency? I have a borderline irresponsible amount of Calvin Ridley. Um, I, I, oh, I do a ton I was going to ask you about him next. Say, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, well, we're on the same page, but I, I am so in on Calvin Ridley. I'm so in on Trevor Lawrence and this Jaguars offense taking um, a big step forward this year. I thought that you couldn't hold that 2021 season against Lawrence. Um, last year, I think he really showed, especially in the later part of the season, um, that, that he is that guy that, that we saw at Clemson and, and someone that, that is going to develop into one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And getting Ridley, who's a true you know number one boundary type of receiver, um, adding him to the mix and sit and you know not just having Christian Kirk be be that alpha receiver. I think Christian Kirk is very good, um, and he showed that last year and at, at times in Arizona, but. Um, I think that the, the number one receiver should offer a little bit more, and I think Ridley does. So I, I think that 
he's someone that I'm targeting heavily and I'm very much in on. I really like Chris Olave a lot this year, especially in PPR format. Uh, him and Ridley go around the same range. I'm usually taking Ridley, but I have been diversifying a little bit um, with Chris Olave. Um, a little bit later down the, the board, I do have a lot of Jordan Addison, big fan of, of the rookie in Minnesota. Obviously, Justin Jefferson is going to be taking up so much attention from defenses. I think that things open up pretty nicely um, for, for Jordan Addison. Uh, I love George Pickens. I think that his connection with Kenny Pickett is legit, and I think that Pickens uh, as a talent is in and of himself. I don't think that it's really fully recognized yet just like how good uh, this guy can be and, and how good his, his body control is and ball skills are. Uh, so huge on, on Pickens this year. And uh, Jahan Dotson as well in Washington is someone that I've been getting a lot of. And then a little bit later on um, in your draft, although the, he might not be going so late anymore with all the injuries in the Denver receiving core, but Marvin Mims, the rookie out of Oklahoma, huge proponent of his. That if yeah. he's available and you're looking for a receiver in like the 12th round, um, look no further. All right, uh, it's the return of our fantasy football segment, our weekly segment with John McKechnie from rotowire.com. Okay, back to the tight ends. What tight ends would you still be comfortable as your number one tight end? Um, So I think the line is drawn right around Pat Fryermuth. He goes around pick 110. Um, I think that that, that's about the end of the line with with, uh, where you want to get your first. Um, tight end. So, so Friar moves to get again. David and Joku is someone that I, that I'm interested in. Um, I really do like Chigo Conquo this year in, in Tennessee, but I don't feel great about him necessarily as my tight end one. Um, but I think that he he has the potential to end, end the year as a top 12 um, tight end. But you, you want to have a little bit more security um, coming out of your draft um, than that. So um, that that's where I land with it. Um, I do like Cole Komet a little bit. Um, he goes in that in that Pat Fryer move, David and Joku um, type of tier. I, I like Evan Ingram a decent bit as, as well, and uh, Darren Waller. So all those guys are, are um, you know very solid um, tight end six through eleven type of guys. On the quarterbacks, let's just, one quarterback league. Let's think about that. Kind of those parameters here. Uh, how deep do you wait before you draft your first quarterback? So th- this one's tricky because I-, I tend to really hate spending high draft capital on, on quarterbacks. So usually I'm not the guy that- that's in the running for Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, um, Jalen Hurts, or-, or even Lamar Jackson. But Lamar Jackson in the fourth round is kind of where I start to, to think about uh, taking a-, a quarterback. And my, my favorite range starts with, with Lamar. Um, I think it moves on to uh, Joe Burrow and then Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence and Justin Herbert. I think that the, the, that particular tier is the one that, that is going to win leagues this year. I think that's the, the tier that, that it sets you up the best without having to spend um, a second or third round pick uh, on a you know a, a one-off position like, like quarterback in fantasy. Um, but beyond that, if, if you're looking a little bit uh, later on, uh, Kirk Cousins, I, I would say, it may not be the, the flashiest thing in the world, but I, I think the production um, and track record uh, definitely speak for, for themselves. Um, I'm a little bit leery of, of Aaron Rodgers this year. I'm, I'm leery of Tua this year. Um, I'm, I'm leery of Jared Goff and Daniel Jones, both regressing to, to the forms that, that we were familiar with prior to last season as well. So, so 
don't wait too long at quarterback. You don't have to go ahead and feel pressured to take those those top end guys with with your first or in the first couple of rounds. But um, be sure that you're not left holding the bag with with you know someone like uh, Geno Smith uh, as your quarterback one. Okay, last up here. How do you approach Deshaun Watson? So I, I've taken a, a decent amount of, of uh, Deshaun Watson in, in drafts thus far. Um, I, I value him as like an eighth or ninth round um, type of target. So he, he's he's definitely in that in that Tua Tagovailoa um, tier. Anthony Richardson's in there as well. I think I think that generally speaking. Um, I'm an optimist for, for Watson for, for this year. I think what he showed at the end of last year was a, a tainted sample um, in the sense that it had been so long since he's been on an NFL field. He's jumping in um, in week 11 of the season. That's just a, a, a with a new offense, new team entirely. That, that's just so many things to, to make it work that I'm not surprised that he looked a, a, a lot rusty um, down the stretch last year. I think that this year – you have Elijah Moore come come in. Um, you you still have Amari Cooper, who's very solid, and you still have David Njoku, who I, who I think is really ascending as well. Um, Donovan Peoples-Jones and Cedric Tillman, another couple big bodies on the boundary. So I think there's enough weaponry around Deshaun Watson. I think that you know uh, we'll we'll kind of put to bed his his uh, you know tough stretch uh, these last couple of years, and and um, I think that this year. Um, he is going to look a lot more like the Deshaun Watson that we last saw in Houston. John, great to have you back. We're very happy to have you back, so thanks much. And uh, we'll check back next Tuesday and preview week one. Likewise. Can't wait. Thanks again for having me on. My pleasure, as always. John McKechnie from rotowire.com. Check out all his work and uh, all the rotowire.com information for you. All right, next segment, phone call time, 602-260-1060 is general discussion. Also, we'll get to today's local roundup. I'll include a little bit on the Cardinals quarterback situation, uh, plus plenty of uh, a little bit, not plenty. That Diamondbacks-Dodger game last night didn't require a ton of analysis, quite frankly. Uh, We'll provide a little bit, maybe a couple things that maybe you didn't really think about. Uh, unless you were really deep into the game. Hopefully we can come up with a couple nuggets there. All that in the next segment, and then we'll wrap it up with the National Roundup with some uh, from the uh, MLB scoreboard from last night. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Castlex HD 2 100.7. Time for today's local roundup. We thank John McKechnie from rotowire.com. He'll be joining us every Tuesday. Uh, next week, we will preview week one of the NFL season, uh, fantasy football wise. All right, on to the local roundup we go. The Diamondbacks last night wasn't a pretty uh, night, uh, obviously. I'll get to the Diamondbacks in a minute. I want to start with the quarterback decisions the Cardinals made on Monday 1st. Kyler Murray. Uh, not surprising, he'll remain on the pup list to begin the regular season. That means he'll miss at least the first four regular season games. After the Murray decision, it was announced that Colt McCoy was cut and that Jonathan Gannon held a press conference. He indicated the decision was based on the offseason training camp and the preseason. 
when asked uh, Gannon said McCoy quote took the uh, decision uh, took the news like a pro took the news like a pro quote unquote. Meanwhile, Gannon failed to week, uh, name a week one starter, the only team in the NFL that has yet to name a week one starter. Um, the, between the recently acquired Joshua Dobbs, who has yet to even have a practice with the Cardinals. In fact, I think they're practicing right now, and that's the first time he's been on the practice field here. And also, it's between Dobbs and rookie Clayton Toon. But ESPN's Adam Schefter said on Monday afternoon that Dobbs is the likely starter. Gannon said there is a plan on place, but he declined to announce what that is, and he called it a competitive situation, presumably, at least in part, not to alert Washington, their first game opponent, of the plan. Uh, I quite frankly find it's hard to believe that the commanders really care who the Cardinals' starting quarterback is in week uh, week one of the season. Meanwhile, the Cardinals made the decision before Dobbs, as I mentioned, to even practice with the Cardinals. The Cardinals and the rest of the NFL need to cut uh, their rosters to 53 players by 1 o'clock Arizona time today. Also on Monday, the Cardinals placed uh, offensive lineman Pat Elfline, who was a late addition to the roster right before training camp. They placed uh, Elfline on uh, injured reserve. Meanwhile, the Diamondbacks, Zach Gallen, got clobbered last night at Dodger Stadium. He allowed four home runs for the first time in his career in one game. Six runs overall, five and a third innings. He allowed nine hits, three walks, only had three strikeouts. Very little swing and miss. The Dodgers are swinging early in the count. They were very aggressive against him. And obviously uh, their, uh, their game plan and their approach paid off. The result was a Dodgers 7-4 victory last night. Uh, before last night, the uh, Diamondbacks had won 12 out of 15 uh, that was the best record in baseball since August the 12th. But the Dodgers, after last night's win, are 22-4 in August, which is the best record in baseball over that span. Last night, the, uh, the Diamondbacks offense scored multiple runs in just one inning. They scored three runs in the fourth. That took a 4-3 lead at that point after uh, Gabriel Moreno's two-run homer. Arizona's offense, which has really been frequently inconsistent, since the All-Star break, they scored zero runs and had one hit after the fourth inning yesterday. Personnel news, Tony Gonsolin headed for Tommy John surgery. We expected that. He's going to miss all of next season for the Dodgers uh, with the Tommy John surgery. Tonight, it's Merrill Kelly, who has had a bad history against the Dodgers, but did win his last, uh, the Diamondbacks did win the, uh, he actually pitched well against the, Di- the Dodgers in his last start against them, but he's not had a great history against them. Against Clayton Kershaw, and uh, we'll see how this goes. Uh, Kelly's been really good in August, but yesterday at this time we told you how Gallon had been really good in August. So we'll see what happens tonight. All right, on to the phone lines we go. And uh, Monroe and Glendale. Hi, Monroe. Hello, Bob. Uh, this seems to me to be the race to the bottom with the Cardinals. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, they cut the guy before the before Dobbs even showed up in the camp, right? So, I mean, well, I he, he, they traded they traded for Dobbs last week, but he hasn't yet to practice until like right now. He's practicing. I think they're practicing well, yeah. as we speak. Yeah, so that means the decision had nothing to do with performance during training camp. No, um, I just think that they um, they want to move on from Kyler Murray, and they think that getting in position, whether, um, oh, well, 
between them and Indianapolis, I don't know who's going to be the, the worst team with the worst record, but I, I think they're positioning themselves to try to get a replacement for Kyler Murray. And well, I, everybody thinks they're going to drop Caleb Williams, but Williams seemed to kind of say last week, uh, yeah. without exactly saying it, that he doesn't really want to play for the Cardinals. So yes, we'll see how that exactly. goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That That's exactly the point I was going to make. So the idea that what's the quarterback give us the best chance to win, well, they don't really care about winning. They want to they, – they truly are. They truly are in a rebuild mode, right? That's all this means. They truly are in a rebuild mode. It rebuilds um, a kind way to put it. Tanking would be another way to put it. But that's what they should have done. I mean – you know, they, they that that's they're taking the right approach. I mean, they had yeah. an awful roster. Uh, yeah, even if Kyler Murray was healthy, I would be uh, I would be advocating that they try to uh, the the fact that they stripped down, and I think they really told you the tanking actually quote started uh, when they didn't re-sign either Byron Murphy or Zach Allen, especially Murphy, who didn't exactly break the bank when he signed with the Minnesota Vikings and. You know, there was some indication that he actually wanted to stay here. Yeah. Oh no, I, I was being kind, but I guess there's really no reason. It's it's so obvious what they're what they're intending to do. Right. And um, that, I'm a, I'm okay with the the approach. I just didn't quite understand, you know, the McCoy thing yesterday. But uh, you know, I, I just think that uh, hopefully, I don't know if McCoy's retiring or not. Hopefully, uh, yeah, I would assume that he might get another gig somewhere, but you know, it's kind of late in the process for him to get another gig somewhere, but there are some teams that need a backup quarterback, and he could certainly do that. Washington's only keeping two quarterbacks on their roster, so maybe he goes back there. Yeah, yeah. I, I was sort of um, – I wasn't – I was – I was, I didn't like the fact that Pittsburgh chose Mason Rudolph over Josh Dobbs. I, that puzzled me. Uh, Josh Dobbs seemed to have some accuracy issues, yeah, but he seemed to definitely. have a he, he, he seemed to have a handle on the position where Mason Rudolph was just a deer in the headlights in my mind. Uh, so I agree. With the, I agree. I agree with that. Yeah, I'm just interested to see you know how how this plays out because I do think he'll be the starter, and I'll get to see whether or not there was the right decision to to let him go. Uh, okay. okay. Um, that sounds fair. This this thing about ASU, I'm sorry if I'm I'm missing the point here, but I, I see a lot of local news talking about how unfair this is to the seniors at ASU that they won't get to go to a bowl game. And my instincts were it, it, immediately, what bowl game would they be good enough to go to? Well, they're not going to have more than five wins, so you know, they weren't going to go to a bowl game no matter what. Uh, but you know, they should have done this last year, quite frankly. So, right, right. but they weren't they were they weren't going to do that because Herm was still here and whatever. But it's uh, the uh, yeah. I will say I appreciate the call, Monroe. As always, I got to real quickly get out of the segment here. But I was listening after we got done yesterday with the extra point. Uh, to the athletic podcast, uh, Bruce Feldman and uh, and also Stuart Mandel, friend of the program for years, uh, their podcast, which is is called the Audible, and they just trashed uh, Ray Anderson and Michael Crow uh, for their. I shouldn't you know, maybe trash is a harsh word, but he certainly, I think they accurately criticized uh, ASU president Michael Crow and also athletic director Ray Anderson 
for you know waiting to announce at ASU it opted for the self-imposed bowl ban just five days before the season started. Yeah. You know, these you know, the players they don't, they got nowhere to go. So yeah. uh, the seniors they can't go anywhere. They can't transfer now because uh, yeah. the portal is not open until you know I think it's early December when the portal opens again. So uh, Monroe, good stuff as right, always. Bob, I appreciate it. All right, good stuff. Thank you. All right, on to the final segment we go. That'll be after Corey's news update. That'll be followed by the conclusion of today's show. We'll get to a little national roundup. We'll get to a little baseball scoreboard action from last night. And uh, who knows what else we can jam into the final segment of uh, today's radio extravaganza, the one-hour extravaganza known as the Sports Zone. Don't forget, tomorrow we return for a full three hours of local morning programming. With the Sports Zone from 9 to 10 o'clock. And the Extra Point hosted by Kayla from 10 to noon. Tomorrow, by the way, we'll preview the Denver Broncos as uh, we go back and uh, we'll wrap up the next three days. Starting starting tomorrow, we'll wrap up our NFL team previews. Uh, This week, it's the NFC West. We did the Chiefs yesterday. Tomorrow, it's Denver. Thursday would be the Chargers. And then Friday, it will be the Las Vegas Raiders. All right, I got to whip through this. Welcome back. Final segment today, Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KDUS AM 1060 and KDUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD 2100.7. I lost my train of thought there, shockingly. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever and whatever else slipped through the cracks. Also, our guest today. First of our weekly fantasy football updates. Today we have a fantasy draft preview with John McKechnie of rotowire.com. Next Tuesday we will start our weekly previews. Week one we will preview uh, a week from today. Sound of the day courtesy of Fox, MLB, uh, also ESPN and KBME. So, and also special thanks as always to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And uh, if you the the... Uh, uh, a couple things quickly. I'm going to just jam as, as much stuff as I can in here. Uh, as far as the wild card situation, the Diamondbacks lead in the wild card for the last spot down to a half a game because Giants top pitching prospect Kyle Harrison stole the show last night. Harrison, uh, who grew up right like 30 minutes from you know basically the ballpark in San Francisco, he struck out 11 in his first career victory in, uh, with the Giants. And the Giants beat the Reds last night, 4-1. to one. Uh, Harrison, a third-round pick in 2020, allowed just three hits and struck out uh, – uh, three hits and we told you already he struck out 11. Three hits, he walked two, uh, and six and a third shot innings. He hadn't pitched past five innings in a minor league start this season. In fact, he'd only pitched five innings in one minor league start this season. Meanwhile, the Reds remain a game and a half behind the Diamondbacks. Uh, for the uh, last NFL, NL playoff berth. As I mentioned, the Giants are now only a half game behind the Diamondbacks. The the Cubs, they ran into another hot team. And uh, Christian Yelich and Mark Kana homered uh, during the Milwaukee four-run first inning. The Brewers beat the Cubs last night at Wrigley, the first of a four-game series, 6-2. to two. Tonight, it's Corbin Burns against uh, Justin Steele. I just don't understand why Steele's not getting some more Cy Young love here. He's 14-3 with a 280-yard run average. 
on a team that's uh, right now in the postseason. So, you know, if you hear his name mentioned too often there. Uh, and uh, last night, Wade Miley, former Diamondback, he pitched six effective innings as uh, Milwaukee increased its NL Central lead to five games over the second-place Cubs. It's the longest winning streak for uh, Milwaukee since an 11-game winning streak in 2021. And once again, former Diamondback player uh, Craig Council, his team is playing the the, be, the be, their best baseball at the end of the year. Last year, they didn't quite make it. But other than that, it seems like this happens almost every year. Meanwhile, the Phillies win again last night. Trey Turner homered twice. Bryce Harper, a two-run shot. Uh, the Phillies uh, beat Shohei Otani and the Angels last night 6-4. to four. Uh, Harper's now hit six home runs in his last 11 games. And the uh, Phillies have a major league best 52 home runs this month. It's the most home runs the Phillies have ever hit in a month. And they've been playing for a really, really long time. All right, that's it for the Sports Zone for today. We'll be back tomorrow, a full three hours of local programming starting at uh, 9 o'clock from 9 to 10. It'll be the Sports Zone with me. And then it's the Extra Point hosted by Kayla with a little bit of me, maybe sometimes too much me, uh, from 10 to noon. 9.15 tomorrow, we'll preview the Denver Broncos with Eric Goodwin. Uh, Goodman, excuse me, of Mile High Sports Radio. This has been the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the day, everybody.